It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. This episode is all about my recent trip to Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, and Utah. I got back from that trip on this past Friday, Friday the 13th, actually. Well, technically, probably Saturday the 14th. It was after midnight, shortly after midnight. And today is Wednesday, May 18th. I still feel like I'm recovering And that is a lesson that I feel like I need to stress. I have done a lot of traveling, as I've talked about, especially road trips over the past few years. And I'm learning more and more how much time I need to recover from them. It was a great idea for me to return on a, quote, Friday night, even if it was technically Saturday morning, because I had all of Saturday and Sunday to rest without feeling any sort of work guilt as I often do. I felt a little of it because I have consulting freelance clients and I did a pretty good job keeping up with the important work, but there was still some things I was behind on. So I was trying not to feel too rushed to do any of that work. Monday was rough. I was definitely feeling tired. I did my best to limit the amount of work I had then. Yesterday was Tuesday and I also felt kind of tired. And then Wednesday today, I'm still feeling it. So really, I'm (laughs) as crazy as it sounds, I kind of need like a vacation after a quote vacation. And I put that in quotes and air quotes because it's really tough for me to qualify anything as a vacation based on the way my life is set up. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And perhaps what we commonly view as vacations are just set up in a system where people are typically working 40-hour work weeks for somebody else and commuting and and all the burnout that comes along with that. When I switched to freelance work and making my own schedule, I found myself feeling very fluid with my work. But the downside to that is that I never really feel off. I always feel like there are opportunities to work a little bit every single day. And it's very rare that I'll have several continuous days with no work. Even the weekends are tough for me. But I've been working on, especially this year in 2022, of not assigning myself work on the weekends, not taking meetings on the weekends, and just reducing as much as possible. The one exception to that is beyond measure my private online community, which, by the way, you are more than welcome to join. It has been one of the greatest joys for the past few years, and it just keeps getting better and better. We have traditionally done most of our calls, our group gatherings on Saturday morning slash afternoon, depending on your time zone. And I just started experimenting with doing those calls on different days of the week. So we actually had one of those calls this past Monday And it was one of the best we've ever had, side note. And I just had this feeling of immense joy because I actually skipped the previous week's call 
due to travel. Anyways, what I'm going to do today is take you through each day of my trip, share what I did, some lessons that I learned along the way, any products that I use. It's just going to be a full story of the trip. I've touched upon it a little bit. One thing I really want to convey and not forget to talk about is how in a recent episode or an episode leading up to this trip, I mentioned how I was feeling a little bit like nervous or anxious. And I remember almost having what I thought could be an intuitive hit that something was going to go wrong. And that scared me. I was nervous that something bad was going to happen. And I am very happy to report that this trip went so smoothly. I honestly cannot think of a single major thing that went wrong, except for one little issue with my sister, who was part of my trip, I will share. To my recollection, though, I think that was it. I feel like there was one other thing that was pretty insignificant. Maybe I'll recall it. But honestly, this trip couldn't have gone better. And I'm just so grateful. I've been full of so much emotion for this trip. I may cry in this episode because there were a few really big moments. I've shared this a bit on Instagram, actually. I don't usually post a ton on my personal at Whit Lauritsen account, W-H-I-T-L-A-U-R-I-T-S-E-N. That's my private account. I also have an account for the podcast, which is the Wellevator, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R account. The podcast account is mainly about the guests that come on the show. My personal account is about me. And I just don't post that much. It's not really my thing. I really only post when I feel drawn to it. And after that trip, I wanted to share. So if you want to see some visuals, they'll be on Instagram. I'm also working on some videos and the show notes for this episode will have some images too. So if you go to wellevator.com, again, that's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com and find this episode, there'll be a full transcript. There'll be a video eventually. And immediately there'll be images from this trip. So you can get some visuals based on what I'm sharing today. So my day started out pretty early, although I didn't leave until about 9.30 a.m. Uh, at the timestamps on all these pictures and videos I'm going through to tell this story. So I did not fully have this memorized, but I did create a pretty in-depth itinerary. I do this for a few reasons, mainly because I need to plan out for charging my electric car. I also need to plan out if I'm going to be staying at a campground or an RV park, which I did on this trip. I often reserve those in advance just to give myself that security when I'm making plans with friends. I also like to share my itinerary with my family. This time I didn't end up doing that. I meant to, but things just kind of added up to the point where I didn't finalize my itinerary before. Like an, I knew for myself but I usually like create a whole like Google sheet, a spreadsheet of my trip and send it to my mom. Nobody else really cares. I sent it to my dad and my sister in the past and they were like, what am I going to do with this? But my mom really appreciated it. That's part of the way that I've looked out for my safety. But I just didn't get around to it. So I ended up checking in with my parents most days of the trip just to let them know where I was. And I also had a cool new security measure, which I'm going to talk about momentarily. So the first stop I made was actually related to this security measure, and that was to go to REI. I was given a gift certificate for REI for Christmas, 
for $300. And it was so exciting to have that much money. Although that's not a ton when it comes to REI, because when I go in there, I could like buy up the whole store. There's so many cool things. I went in there like a week or so before my trip and I was a little bit overwhelmed. But there was one thing in particular I had my eye on. In fact, I should go get it. I want to hold it up as a visual. I'll be right back. If you're not watching the YouTube video, you can see some of these images on the post. Uh, Also, they will be in one of the short videos I make. This is called the Garmin InReach Mini. And it was a huge financial splurge, except for the fact that I had the $300 gift certificate. This thing costs $400 plus tax. I actually researched all the REIs in my on the route of my trip to see who had the lowest tax price. And actually, one of them was about an hour or two away from Los Angeles in Rancho Cucamonga. So I saved a little bit on tax versus if I had bought it in town before I left. Came out to, I think, $440 minus the $300 gift certificate I had. And I had a $50 random Visa gift card. So I ended up paying, I think, $80 for this thing. This is a two-way satellite device. And no, this is not sponsored. (laughs) Nothing is sponsored here. But I had heard great things about this. And thought about this for a long time. Normally, spending $440 on something like this would just be not something I would do. (laughs) I don't think. Because this device, I feel like, is mainly for people who are hiking, who are like out in the backcountry. I don't know if it is super necessary. In fact, no, it's not necessary for the type of trips I take by car. But It gave me such great peace of mind because I traveled entirely by myself. And this is probably the first time I've mentioned that because I didn't want to mention it before I went on my trip. But I do usually do these long trips by myself and meet people on the way. I didn't even bring Evie on this trip, which was a big change, mainly because of some of the things I was doing. That was really hard to leave her behind. So traveling truly by myself, I thought I want to have as many safety measures in place as possible. And there was just something about this device that felt like it would be helpful for me. So I got it. There's two versions. There's the InReach Mini and the InReach Mini 2. That second one is the one I ended up buying, which is a little bit more expensive. It's the newer version of it. And basically what this does allows you to send your location to people while you're traveling, no matter where you are, because it's satellite it doesn't rely on a cell phone signal. And based on some of my previous trips, I have had the experience of being in areas with no cell coverage, especially in the national parks. And that concerned my family a little bit. So main reason was I could always share my location. There's also a SOS button on this thing. So if I ever ended up in a really bad situation without cell phone signal, I could press this and I would be rescued. Again, probably makes sense if you're hiking and get stuck somewhere. But I guess the same thing could happen. Like what if my car tire, you know, something happened to it, and I'm on the side of the road with no cell phone coverage in the middle of the night, that would be really scary for me on my own, even though that actually has kind of happened to me. I (laughs) one time when I was driving from San Francisco to LA at like 2am, I got a what's it called my tire like completely got destroyed. 
not a flat tire. I mean, it was like literally down to the wheel out of nowhere. I had to pull over. I was by myself. I think maybe Evie was with me. I don't recall. And some nice person came and helped me out. I did have cell phone signal, but I remember feeling so helpless and I had never changed a tire before. And I was like, oh, great. With the Tesla, which is what I have now, I don't have a spare tire. You can buy them. I think they're like $300 from this third-party company, kind of big and bulky, and I've decided not to use one of those. I do have a tire repair kit. That's something I added to my gear last year for my cross-country trip. And this year, I also bought a 12-volt tire inflator so you can plug it into the cigarette adapter, which believe it or not, Teslas have those. And they're awesome. I use that for some of my equipment. Anyway, so I have a little bit of a setup for a flat tire, but I digress. This thing also, the Garmin InReach Mini also allows you to send text messages to people. I think it also connects to your phone, so you can type it out through your phone and send it through this device, but I haven't tried that yet. So this was really just an expensive peace of mind that I plan to have for many years. It's super valuable, so if I ever decide to sell it, I feel like it'll retain its value In addition to the cost of this, you also have to pay a monthly fee, but you can do it month by month. It's $15 a month, cancel anytime. What I did not realize until after I got it was there was like a $35 or maybe it was a $30 activation fee. So it was like $45 for me to use it for two weeks on this trip. But I will use it again. I'm going to cancel the plan and then reactivate it when I go on my next trip, which is just about two or three months away. So I went to REI. That was the first part of my trip to get this thing. I used their store pickup, which was awesome. They brought it right out to my car. It was super convenient. And while I was there, I also used for the very first time something I mentioned in a previous episode, which I will probably include in the show notes for this. But if I don't, I'm going to do some sort of video on this. My intention, at least, is to review the Carlu. Oh my gosh, this is this was a game changer for me. <laughs> Which is at a fraction is like the 10th of the price. I think it's $40 for this thing versus this $400 device which you'd think would be like the greatest thing ever. The Carlu to me was amazing. So, I mentioned before, it's a mini toilet designed to be used in a car, thus the Carlu. Uh, you can urinate in it, you can do any types of going to the bathroom in it. I ended up trying both, although I do not recommend the latter. It is ideal for peeing, not so ideal for pooping, to be honest. And yes, I will get into not so graphic details, but I'm going to share the realities of travel, right? I use it for the very first time to pee when I was at REI in the parking lot waiting. And I was like, this is unbelievable. It's comfortable. It was convenient. It was easy to clean. It was easy. There was no, I used it more times than I can count on this trip. Did not spill once, did not have a smell at all. I cleaned it using a combination of some wipes that I have. I love these wipes. I think they're called combat wipes. I'll link to those and everything I mentioned in the description. I love my combat wipes. I use them to usually mostly for my body. But, you know, you can use them on all parts of your body. Plus, I would use them to like wipe things off like the Carlu. I also used my mini hand washing station. I think it's called Sync Suds 2 Go. I've mentioned this in the past because I got it in 2020. 
And it's actually stored in the side pocket of my driver's side door. So I could pump the soap into it and rinse it out really easily. And that system worked amazing. So huge shout out to Carlo. I'm sure it would be incredible for kids. It has like a special sealant top that you put on it. It still can leak, which I learned. Nothing super unfortunate happened, but... Like if it's turned sideways, like sometimes when I was trying to store it under the seat, it leaked a little bit, not urine or any other, (laughs) what do they call it, human waste, but the like water that I would rinse it out and it wouldn't be completely dry. So if it had like a few drops of water in it, if I turn it sideways, some of it would come out. That kind of like, the idea of that kind of grossed me out. So one thing I would change about the Carlu is for it to be fully sealed, leak-proof, I guess. But for the most part, it works splendidly. I think probably the reason that happened, if you're wondering, is there's two compartments. There's the outside, which kind of looks like oversized Tupperware because it's plastic with handles. So it's very discreet looking. The inside has a stainless steel bowl and then like a little plastic seat, just like a toilet would. And that stainless steel bowl has a special cover. So that part inside would not leak. But sometimes when I was cleaning it, I would clean the exterior casing too. And that's what would get. Even condensation would make it leak. So lots of details for you. I'm not going to hold anything back on this trip, as you can already tell. So that went great. Also, along with that, if you're curious, you can use these special compostable bags and really great powder that you put in there that absorbs liquid. So you can actually toss human waste away in a trash can. So I'll link to all of that. That's a very common camping thing that I've learned. I got actually the bags and the special powder last year for my trip. And I have a foldable toilet that I've used too. I actually now have three different ways to use the bathroom while traveling. One is the, what's it called? Tinkle Bell, (laughs) which is a female urination device, which allows women to pee standing up. That was what I did in 2020. And it's awesome when you have privacy. But if you don't, it's really awkward to use, depending on your personality. One of my friends, she just pees anywhere. She'll squat. She'll pee in between car doors on trips. Like, I've heard so many stories about how people use the bathroom, by the way. I feel like I'm not shy about it anymore. So my friend Leanne and I used the Tinkle Bell on our 2020 road trip. And it was just like always trying to find some place we felt comfortable peeing. And when you're driving long distances, like pulling over the side of the road, it just made me feel vulnerable. I was never sure if it was okay for me to pee places. So in 2021, I got this fold-up toilet, which is really great. And that's what I got those special bags and the powders for. But I found out on that trip that it was really hard to use in the car. For my car, specifically in the front seat, the toilet is probably like six inches high. So putting that on the seat and then trying to sit on it, I literally was like hunched over. And then the way it folds up, it felt like it was going to fall apart as I was using it. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. That's why I got very excited about the Carlu. The Carlu is really short. Now, the shortness of it, though, is what makes it hard to do anything other than urination inside of it. I learned that in an awkward way. I was one day, 
I was in the, I'm skipping around now, but I'm trying not to be so, what's the word? TMI, but TMI alert. I want to be transparent about what it's like to travel. It was like, I don't know, like six or seven in the morning. And I was in this big parking lot charging my car and like nothing was open. Maybe something was, but I had to go to the bathroom so badly all of a sudden. And I was like, all right, I'm going to use the car loo for number two and let's just see how it goes. And that's when I learned that you need a little bit more room when you're going to the bathroom. So you, you actually would have to like hover over it and like position the bags that you're going into. It it was literally a very messy situation. And I was like, I would prefer not to use this for that. But you can. They say it right on their website. You can use it. I, you know, I highly recommend using the bags and the powder. Much easier cleanup. And you find a big trash can, you know, like the I guess you could put it in any trash can. This is the one thing that I would like to learn more about is like what rules there are for disposing of human waste. From what I hear of campers, like they either dig holes if they're available. Although news just came out recently in May 2022 that the leave no trace rules have changed. And now a lot of campsites and parks require you to pack out your own human waste. And that's where people get these plastic compostable bags as well as that powder. I forget what that powder is called, but it's just like some powder that turns your waste and and kind of helps it degrade and also turns liquid into more of a gel-like substance, which is easier to carry. So as far as I'm aware, and don't quote me on this because I need to study this more, based on my current knowledge and research, what if you do that method, you can dispose of it in a trash can. So that's what I did. And seem to be okay. I guess to me, I'm thinking it's not that different from like an animal. Like if your dog was to use the bathroom, you would scoop it up and you would throw it in the trash can. People don't think twice about that. You can, of course, with the car loo, close it up and drive it to a bathroom and empty it into a toilet. I did that sometimes too, if it was accessible. But then that kind of defeats the purpose. The benefit though, is that when I was at some of these parks and various locations, there'd be lines to use the bathroom if you have to go really badly or if you don't feel comfortable like sitting on the toilet in these places. If you want, you know, you can take your time and have your privacy, do whatever you need to do in your car and then dispose of it in the toilet. I suppose that's an option. So it's it's just part of the experience when you're camping and on long, long road trips. So I this time did use regular bathrooms as well. I tend to bring hand sanitizer with me. I wear my mask when I go into bathrooms. And I also will like sometimes wipe down handles. Like I'll bring in some of those combat wipes. I've been doing this since 2020. I bring those in not just to clean myself, but to wipe down handles and stuff. So I get a little concerned about (laughs) germs in bathrooms. So thoroughly washing my hands, being mindful of what bathrooms I use, but certainly those are more pleasant to use than going to the bathroom in your car. But there you go. I jumped right into probably the (laughs) most bizarre parts of trips. I'm not going to hold anything back, apparently. So 
that was the REI experience. After that, I went to this charging station in, I think it was Beaumont, California, and they had a grocery outlet there. That was that was a big highlight. I'm a huge fan of grocery outlet. They had some of my favorite snacks, Vienna chickpea snacks, which happened to be vegan and keto. So I've been trying to eat fairly low carbs. Low carb on these trips makes me feel better. Although unfortunately, chickpeas kind of mess with my stomach. So I had a lot of stomach issues during this trip. Ooh, another thing I just saw a picture of. What I use along with the Carlu is these amazing wipes for women. And now I'm blanking on the name of them. What are they called? They are antimicrobial reusable wipes that are designed for female campers or travelers. So instead of toilet paper, it's only for urination. You can wipe yourself and rinse it off, clean it off, and it dries really quickly. Oh, they're called Kula cloths. I got one of those last year in 2021, and I love mine. It's from this amazing female-owned company. They have these cool designs. And so that plus the Carlu was like the most amazing combination. Of course, the combat wipes as a third partnership, those three things together are like fantastic. The combat wipes, by the way, are, I think, biodegradable and compostable. So technically, you could like bury them outside and they would naturally biodegrade. But I'm not 100% sure. That's just based on my memory. So I will link to them if you want to go research them. But the Kula cloth is, is really great. And those would also work super well with a bidet, by the way. Something I've been thinking about getting from my home. And even they make travel bidets for you to use it with a toilet, all different types of configurations. But a Kula cloth would allow you to you know, dry yourself off after using a travel bidet so you wouldn't have to use toilet paper. So super eco-friendly option and just a lovely company. Another product I've mentioned before, but worth mentioning again, is for trips, especially where I'm traveling during hot times of year, warm, you know, summer, or going through areas like Arizona and Utah on this trip, where it gets really, really hot and the sun's coming in my car. I absolutely love my sunshades. Mine, I think, are from this company called Quick Snap. Is that right? I'm going to double check everything. I think it's Quick Snap. They sent them to me in 2020, and they are just one of my favorite car accessories for trips. And I use them to block out the sunlight on the side windows. And then a, a different company, I got car covers for the top because my uh, Tesla has glass all the way across the top, and the sun will come in really strong. So any car can benefit from these. They're not only great for keeping the sun out, but they're wonderful for privacy because they kind of give your car a natural tint. I actually use them in parking lots because that way people can't see inside my car. And that's been a game changer with these road trips when I feel nervous about people seeing what's inside if I like go to run an errand. And then I'll put a typical window shade in the windshield to cover that up. So it's really hard for people to look inside my car. Some people even use that for sleeping in their car. Although for me, I use a really cool car cover for my car camping called Testmat. And there are, I'm sure, companies that make these for other car brands. But Testmat specializes in the mattress that I sleep on. And as a added-on accessory, 
their window covers are fantastic because they block out every part of the windows of the car. They don't block out the top, but it's with my car, at least the Model 3, it's tinted at the top. So it's really hard to see inside unless the light's on in the inside. But thus, the sunshades I use have an added benefit. So I'm giving you all the details. These are the things that really add up and matter. And keep in mind that I've been adding to my road trip collection for years now. And I will continue to add. This is like my favorite thing to do. So yeah, the sunshades, game changer for so many reasons. All right. I always have, I'm going through every photo and like I documented all the things I used. I think I always have some lip balm up in the front seat with me. This this year and last year, I've been using this company called Ladybug Jane. Maybe I even started using it in 2020, actually. They're awesome. Vegan lip balm, I think organic. And they have great flavors, like all sorts of interesting things like bubble gum and mango and like blueberry. And I can't even remember, but they sent me like every flavor that they make and they're all awesome. I work in my car. And one of the best things I got for that is a steering wheel tray. And you can get this for any car. They're actually pretty affordable, around $10. And they attach to the base of your steering wheel and they can turn it into a food tray. Mine has on one side a little cup holder inlet. It's not like perfectly spill proof, but you can put like a can of Coke or whatever, soda, I should say. I don't really drink Coke. I drink Zevia, one of my favorite and sparkling waters. So you can put that there. And then it has, I think, a little inlet for food just to make it less likely to slip off. And when you flip the tray over, it has a flat surface that's great for working on your computer. So I've been doing this since last year. I think that's when I got that tray. I tether my phone to my computer so I can use the Wi-Fi from my phone. I've thought about getting a, what are they called? Hub hotspot or something like the little devices, you pay extra for them and they give you internet wherever you go. But my phone's got unlimited hotspot as a part of the plan that I have. I don't know if all cell phone or most cell phone plans have that, but it works awesome. I'm not going to upload or download videos on it, but for emails, for accessing basic internet things, it works like a charm as long as I have signal. You can also look up ahead of time where the signal is poor. If you're going to a campsite, for example, it'll tell you if your service, if your whatever company you're using for your cell phone has service there. Uh, Lots of reliable sites will give you that information. And one of the benefits of using a place like an RV park, which I tend to go to, they have Wi-Fi for free as part of your plan. And I, I will talk more about my campground and RV park experiences too. So I try to work at at least some of the car charging stops. This is one of the biggest questions people ask me about having an electric car because they're like, how long does it take you to charge the car? How many times do you have to stop? And the question is, it really depends. It depends where you're going, like what part of the country, and in my case with the US, they do have Tesla stations at other countries, by the way. I might go to Canada later this year so I could experience that. But I have not had a problem finding car chargers for the most part. Part of the story I'm going to share with you includes, if I get to it, by the way, I'm 30 minutes in this episode and 
I haven't even finished telling you about the first day of this 13-day trip. Wow. This might have to be a two-part episode. Anyways, car charging just depends on where you're going, where the chargers are located, how fast you're driving, what the temperature is outside, which car you have exactly. Like even within the Tesla family, they have different ranges based on the car, the package you get. Like there's just so many factors. You can't average it out very easily. But if I had to, I would say stop every two to three hours for about 20 minutes. And that depends on whether or not I was camping the night before and what I left with, whether my car was fully charged. It also depends how far apart the charging stations were. So again, very hard to determine. Since I plan most of the trip ahead of time, I have a general idea of when I will be stopping, where I will be stopping, and for about how long. I love this tool called a Better Route Planner, which is designed for all different types of electric cars to find out where they can charge and plan their whole trip around it. It's a game changer. It's not perfect, but there's a free version of it that's amazing. And it helps me out with like 90% of my trip planning. And then I leave like 10% room for error or things changing. So that's when I try to estimate like when I'll be working so I can give my clients a heads up or I can plan like when days I'll, I'll be able to work and when I can't. So the first day I was in Phoenix, Arizona. I stayed at this really cool Airbnb. It was just a wonderful experience. I may even link to it in the show notes for you because if you're looking for a place in Tempe, which I don't know if is Tempe part of Phoenix or outside of Phoenix, I'm not even sure. But all I know is the area called Tempe. I went and spoke at this event called the Creator Economy Expo. If you want to hear about that, I just did an an episode talking about my experience there. One of my clients, we have a show called the Live E-Commerce Podcast. And the latest episode that we did was all about what we thought, what we learned, you know, our whole experience at CEX. And just the summary, it was really great. I spoke twice. I spoke on Monday, which is May 2nd, I think, and then Wednesday, May 4th. So I was at this event for three full days and is the second conference, but third big event that I've been to during the pandemic. And it was interesting because I feel like at this time in May 2022, people are feeling pretty comfortable with the pandemic. I'm still on the cautious side. So I was one of very few people wearing a mask. I found out the following week that I was exposed to somebody who tested positive for COVID. And spoiler alert, I have not tested positive for COVID. I haven't had any symptoms. So to my knowledge, I've never had COVID. I've tested positive for it once, actually. I don't know if you've, you know this story, but I got one positive COVID test in 2020 after my first big road trip but I went and tested myself the next day because I didn't have any symptoms. And the following day, I tested negative. So I convinced myself that it was a false positive, but I don't know. Maybe I did have it and just was asymptomatic. I digress. For this trip that I'm talking about today, I did not test positive. I took a test when I got to Phoenix because it was required for part of the conference I went to. I took a self-at-home test with Binex. And that was negative. And then I got an alert on my phone 
the following week saying that somebody at CEX tested positive. And because I have like alerts set up on my phone and they had alerts set up on their phone, like our phones communicated and we're like, hey, just so you know, the person that owns this phone tested positive. So that made me a little nervous. But because I was wearing my mask throughout the event, I felt fairly confident that I would be okay. And when I tested, I was. I took the on-go, I think it's called, this really cool looking test that has like this whole app that guides you through the experience. It was a very like millennial friendly test and a little bit different from the Binax test. Both of them do nasal swabs and take about 10 or 15 minutes to give you results. And I really liked the on-go experience. So I would recommend it if you're looking to buy them. And I think that's a great thing to bring with you. I brought both tests with me on the trip. I had one remaining by next test and I brought on go as like a backup in case I needed to test multiple times as I did. And I got to see the comparison between the two and they're both great. But if you want the whole like app experience and like the cool branding on go is, is a good choice. So yeah, the Airbnb was amazing. It was like, everything you could need. It felt safe. It was clean. They have like every amenity and it was really affordable. I I actually split it with one of my clients. We stayed there together and went to the event together and just loved it. And then I actually met up with my friend, Julie. She came and got a salad from this place, Salad and Go, which is kind of becoming like our little tradition. She lives in Phoenix and she loves this drive through salad place and they allow you to like bake these really delicious big salads for like six or seven dollars. It's nuts. It's like Subway, but just for salads. And she came over to the Airbnb and we just hung out. It was such a wonderful experience. And CEX was at this place called the Arizona Grand Resort and Spa. I felt a little jealous that of the people that got to stay there. I think most of the attendees of that event stayed at this hotel. And it, I mean, it was a full resort. They actually have a water park there. And when you're a guest, I think you might get wristbands for free to go to the water park. I could have gone. They had like spare wristbands, but it just didn't work out timing wise. And I was a little, little bummed about that. But <laughs> I had a really great time at the event. Part of the event, the company Rally, who I've talked about in previous episodes, where I have my social token, which is virtually a cryptocurrency called the Wellcoin. That's on this platform called Rally.io. They had a whole day where I got to meet other Rally creators and learn more about Web3, NFTs. It was super interesting. They even catered it and served uh, vegan food. In fact, all of CEX had catering and they always had vegan options. So I felt very well taken care of. I did bring my own snacks and I did bring lots of food on this trip. Snacks, aside from the Bianna snacks, I also love this brand called Bear Bells. They make both vegan and non-vegan protein bars basically, but they taste like candy. They kind of taste like Snickers. The vegan flavors are salted peanut and hazelnut. They're two separate flavors and they sell them at Trader Joe's for $2 each. So I loaded up on those and they just hit the spot. They're good for my sweet tooth, but they also fill me up. I love having them breakfast or early on in the day. And sometimes I'll even have them for a dessert. 
So I packed those. I packed some Vienna snacks. And then there was always salad at the event. So I ate a ton of salad. I also brought with me my own salad ingredients because my favorite lunch, whether I'm traveling or not, is this tahini salad. And I make it with lettuce, cucumbers, tomatoes, peppers, olives, pumpkin seeds, nutritional yeast, and tahini. And it is amazing. It hits the spot. It fills me up. I bring a refrigerator with me on these trips. So my next piece of gear that I love, I bought this in July of 2021. And it connects to the 12-volt cigarette adapter in my car, or you can connect it to a battery. So something I'm planning to buy later this year and that I've been eyeing for a while is called a Jackery. It is this power brick, if that's the right term. It's like a big uh, portable power unit, and they come in all different sizes. And by size, I mostly mean like capacity. And they're solar-powered. And I've been eyeing this thing for so long. They're a little on the pricey side, but (laughs) after I bought this little Garmin unit, I feel like the Jackery doesn't feel like that big of a spend. They cost, I think they have one for $200, might be the cheapest. I've been eyeing one that's $300. It has USB-C ports on it, so I can easily charge my computer and my iPad on there. I think it also has USB 2 maybe that's what it's called, and then regular power units. And some people that have refrigerators for their cars use the Jackery to power that instead of the 12-volt cigarette adapter because that could actually drain the battery of your car. I haven't had any issues with that battery on my Tesla, but it does make me a little nervous. The Jackery is also cool because, like I said, you could plug anything into it. Currently, I'm using the 12-volt Plus, my car has the USB outlet, so I plug my phone in there to charge throughout the day. I'll charge my Apple Watch, anything else I need to. I try to charge other devices up fully before I leave for a trip and whenever I have access to power wherever I go. So that's worked out pretty well. I don't really need the Jackery, but I love the idea just to have ongoing power. And it's also great if the power goes out at your home, because it's fully solar powered, if there was ever an emergency and you didn't have power for a few days, you could depend on a Jackery to keep all your devices powered up, whatever you needed. And I just like that for my overall survival kit. So the Jackery I've been looking at is $300 for the unit. And then the solar panels are about $300. So it's about a $600 investment. And I have been saving up for it. And this is another tip that I have is because I've fallen in love with travel and because I've got become more aware of things I might need and costs, including car charging and food and campgrounds and Airbnbs, all this stuff. Like I get these general ideas of how much a trip will cost. This trip, actually, I just totaled up last night and I think it came to about $850 for the main things that I needed uh, for car charging, for accommodations, for food, and for some activities. I think those were my main categories that did not include purchases like the Garmin InReach Mini. I bought some new clothes for the trip. I bought a new tent, actually, I'll talk about. I bought a number of new pieces of gear. So 
it was a bit on the pricey side. But two things have really helped me when it comes to finances. One is planning ahead. So I've started savings accounts. Well, not a full a travel savings account, but the savings account that I have allows me to separate my savings into buckets. And I have a travel bucket in there. So it's kind of like having an envelope for travel, like a virtual, you know, some people put all their cash in envelopes to or keep it organized for various things. I do that digitally through my savings. So I have one for savings and every month I contribute money to it. And then this year I started to get more into travel or um, credit card rewards. And not in the sense that a lot of travelers do where they get rewards for flights and hotels. Since I don't fly that much anymore and I don't stay at a lot of hotels, I just redeem my credit card points back onto my credit card, like a statement credit, I think is what they call it. And so every time I spend on my credit card, I get X amount percent back and that just goes right back in. So I've become more strategic about stores I buy from, which credit cards I use. I have... I think two main credit card companies right now. And I'll just look and see, do they have a partnership with whatever company? And I'll use like shopping sites to help me determine who sells what. And so I just kind of got more into the travel hacking, I suppose, to help me save money, to get rewards for things. And the savings really helps too. So because travel has become so important to me, I want to make sure I have money for it. And I want to also prioritize it in my life. And with all that said, I it's incredibly important to acknowledge that all of this comes with a certain amount of privilege, right? I never want to be someone who assumes that everybody can do what I can do. And I'm not trying to say that from a place of like ego. I'm just saying that I have spent the past 12 years now setting up my freelance life and it certainly has not been easy. <laughs> financially. It's been a lot of struggles as I've talked about on episodes and always happy to talk more about if you want to hear it. Last year, I had a really rigorous, intense drive. trying to think it. Like I basically spent all of 2021 paying off credit card uh, debt. And this year, I manage it every month. So I never have debt and I pay it down and I create a savings account and it opened up more financial flexibility for me. But even in 2020, when I did my first cross-country trip in my Tesla, I remember feeling really financially stretched then. I did not have any of the stuff I'm mentioning. I didn't have the fridge or the Garmin or the car. Like Basically, my friend and I, Leanne, who we did a whole episode on that trip, we borrowed a tent from somebody for her to sleep in and like some other camping equipment we got a bunch of brands to send us products to talk about. And we just like patched it all together. I think maybe we spent like three or $400 each going all the way across the country, right? So for me, spending $850, I think might have been the total. Again, not including the gear from this trip. It definitely <laughs> was uh, more of a splurge. I think I just bought a lot of groceries. That was like the biggest chunk. And car charging was about $330, I calculated. Now, keep in mind that my drive, this trip I'm telling you about, was I think about the same distance as driving one way from Los Angeles to Massachusetts in my cross-country trips. 
because I went to so many places on this trip, which I've barely even started to tell you about where I went, Los Angeles to Phoenix is where I currently am. And I'll share the next steps for you. There's so much to share here. Should this be multiple episodes? I'm not sure. I'm going to try to speed up and see if I can get it all done in this episode for you. All right. So I'm going through my photos, lots of Phoenix pictures. I was with this company called Eastreamly. They're one of my clients and they sponsored the event. Uh, I absolutely adore them if you're interested in live streaming and e-commerce. Couldn't recommend them enough. They, they're the ones that have the show, the live e-commerce podcast that I do them with. A couple other food shout outs. Absolutely love Evolved Keto Cups. They are these delicious... Uh, sugar-free or low sugar. I'm not sure what they qualify as exactly, but they are low carb and they're all vegan, simple ingredients. They melt really easily. So I store them up in my refrigerator and they are my favorite sweet treat aside from the Bear Bells. I will say second to that is Smart Sweets and Project 7. They make really delicious gummies. I brought some of those with me too. And the Biana snacks are Usually my favorite crunchy snacks I brought, are they called snacklins? I just saw them in one of my pictures here. Yeah, snacklins are really delicious, crispy, almost, I think they're supposed to be like a vegan version of a pork rind. I brought those with me too, and they really, really hit the spot. I get very particular about the type of snacks that I bring. And I always am prepared at events because I'm, I just kind of assume that they're not going to have any plant-based, low-carb things. But, you know, like I said, I was surprised. They had lots of good salad. I bring that squeezable tahini. I don't remember the brand, but it is organic, absolutely delicious, great texture, and super convenient for these trips. My time in Phoenix ended actually on a pretty cool note. I went to a pizzeria that happened to have some accidentally vegan options there. It's called Bianco. And I was invited to go by somebody I had never met in person before named Matt Frazier. And if you're not familiar with him, he runs a brand called No Meat Athlete. And Matt and I have worked together in, in some ways. He ran one of the bundle sales that I used to do. Is it called the plant-based bundle sale. I'm not sure. I don't do it anymore. I don't even know if he does it anymore. But his company has been in charge of that. He's also good friends with my friend, Robert Cheek. They wrote a fantastic book about plant-based athletes together. And Matt just does awesome work. So we've known of each other. We have communicated kind of indirectly in a lot of ways. Never met in person. And he just happened to be at this event. And he and his mom were there. They invited me out to dinner and went and had this really great time. And the restaurant is lovely. Their pizza was fantastic. And they also had some really good roasted vegetables and just made me happy. That was actually one of the few times I've been to a restaurant too, like with a bunch of people during the pandemic. And like I said, I, I felt a little vulnerable at times. I've done it you know, off and on throughout the pandemic, but I'm not even going to get into the pandemic today. I'm just saying that I, <laughs> it felt like a stretch for me to go do that. So Thursday, May 5th, I wake up in uh, Phoenix. I hit the road at around 8 a.m. and I start making my way to Sedona, Arizona. I went there only one time previously on my 2020 road trip. 
Loved it. Couldn't wait to go back. It was on my way to some of these other destinations I'm going to mention. And I went on a hike. And that was pretty much it. I walked around the town. There's like a general town area that I hadn't explored before and went on a hike. And it was beautiful. It was the weather was perfect. And it was actually a big milestone for me because I don't even know if I've mentioned this, but I broke my toe about two months ago on my birthday, March 21st of this year randomly broke my pinky toe. And I was really nervous that I wouldn't be able to walk comfortably during this big trip. But I went to the doctor right before the trip started and he said I was all clear. And the big test for me was going hiking. I I went to this multi-day event and felt fine, was wearing high heels even. And then when I hiked around Sedona, my toe felt perfectly fine. So I was thrilled. But as a result of that, I hadn't brought a lot of (laughs) hiking shoe options. And that became a bit of an issue uh, because as I got more confident about hiking, I definitely found myself in situations where I was like, I don't have the right shoes for this. So something I want to add to my list for my next trip later this year is a pair of actual hiking shoes, which I've never owned to my recollection. I've owned plenty of running shoes, tennis shoes, whatever you call them. I have had multiple pairs of Vibrams which are the coolest shoes in my opinion, but some people think they're the ugliest things ever because your toes, they're called five fingers, so you could see your individual toes in them, but they're so great for hiking. That's the closest I've ever had to a hiking shoe. So I will be budgeting for some official hiking boots so that I can be prepared for my next trip. And Sedona is just so lovely. It feels so peaceful. It does feel a little bit touristy though. That I didn't love, but part of the element of taking a hike made it feel a little bit more nourished in nature. One big thing that's worth mentioning, probably the most important piece of, quote, gear that I have bought in the past year is an interagency park pass, otherwise known as like the national park pass. That's not even the right term, but that's what I've always thought of it as. Ouch, I just stubbed my toe. <laughs> See, this is so clumsy. No wonder I broke my toe. I get so clumsy. I'm just like rubbing my toes around. This is part of being neurodivergent. I've learned being very clumsy and talking really fast and going on tangents. I feel like this whole episode is a very unmasked experience of me. Anyways, it's called the America the Beautiful Pass and also referred to as a federal interagency pass. You can get it annually. It's about $80 for the average person, but they do have different price points for seniors, for people in the military, for people that have disabilities. They have all different options. I think there's maybe five different passes at least. I have the regular annual pass, $80. And I bought it last year at REI. REI, I think when you get it from them, donates money or something. I remember there was some perk for getting it at REI+. If you are an REI member, you get money back because they're technically a co-op. So that's another good little piece of information. If you get really into camping and traveling, car trips, road trips like me, it may be worth getting an REI membership so that you can get special deals on gear plus special, well, you get rewards back, dividends. And then they also have special offers like what they do with the interagency pass 
I bought it last year for $80 knowing that I was going to go to like three parks. That's all I thought I was going to do. Well, since I bought that pass, I think I've been to at least 20 national parks, which blows my mind. On this trip alone, I went to eight different national parks. I haven't even told you about the first one yet. <laughs> Gosh, how did this this episode become just a big rambling on? I'm feeling a little self-conscious about it, but I'm, I'm going to keep going or pause and do a second episode. But the interagency pass does not only get you access to national parks, it gets you access to national monuments. I don't even know what the difference between a park and a monument are because they look about the same to me. It gets you access to national forests, I believe. And in places like Sedona, some of their parks uh, honor this interagency pass. So when I went to park to go on my hike, it's normally $5. But if you have an interagency pass, you display that in your windshield and you get to go as part of the $80 you paid for the year. So it has like saved me so much money. It's, it's really nuts. Could not recommend it more. And there's probably even some perks to that pass that I don't even know about because it just covers so much. I got to take this free shuttle and it took you all around Sedona and dropped you off at different places to go hiking. It was just amazing. From there, I drove up to Flagstaff just to charge my car And then I went to the first national park, which is the Petrified Forest. I have zero recollection of learning about petrified wood in school. But a lot of people I've talked to are like, oh, yeah, I remember hearing about trees turning to stone. And I was like, what? Why don't I remember this? But when I thought about trees turning to stone, I thought it was going to be not very exciting. I thought it was literally going to be like crumbling old trees that gray or brown. Well, I was wrong because at this park, you can walk around and see these huge trees that have turned into like beautiful stones. At this park, they're called rainbow petrified wood because they have multiple colors in them and they're stunning. I really wanted to go buy some, but I kind of ran out of time. And I did see some at other parks, which I'll tell you about later, because you can find petrified wood around the country and even the world. But there, on my way into the park, there was like this huge shop that had all of this wood. And I didn't stop because I thought maybe they were doing something illegal. But I later found out that the Petrified National Park is only a small portion of all the petrified woods. So outside of that, there's all these different sections that people will go to 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 find and sell the woods. So maybe one day I'll collect some, but I really enjoyed walking around. They even had like animal fossils. There's all this history to learn in the visitor center. It was just cool. Like this big open space, you can drive through it and stop. There were overlooks looking out over into all these cool rock formations. It kind of reminded me of the Badlands where I went to in 2020. And it was just like very peaceful. There weren't a ton of people there. I've, I've heard that the petrified forest is like not that exciting compared to other parks, which I guess I could relate to, but I still found it pretty amazing. I was really glad that I went. Then I spent the night at an RV park in this kind of random place. I think it was in New Mexico called Gallup. And it was such a great park. Let's see, what was the name of this place? 
Oh, USA RV Park. I did a ton of research to try to find the best place to stay. That one felt like a really great choice instinctually. And it it was. It was perfect. The things I like about RV parks is, well, many of them are inexpensive, especially if you get a, a tent site. So yes, they're known for RVs, which supply electricity and water to the big RVs. But most of these places also have what they call tent sites. And some of those tent sites include electricity. So for me, I can charge my car overnight, get a spot to put my car. And in this case, I bought a tent. So I did not sleep in my tent, but I really wanted what they call an SUV tent. So I spent weeks researching these things. What they are is big tents that have special attachments that go in the back of your car. And you don't actually have to have an SUV. There are plenty of other Tesla drivers with the Model 3, which is like the sedan uh, model that they have. I saw other people using these SUV tents. And you it's like this like, I don't know, pocket or like tunnel that you connect to your car and seals it all in. Why would I get a tent if I wasn't going to sleep in it? It gave me extra peace of mind. I found in my last few years of car camping by myself, when I would go to a campsite or an RV park, and I was just all contained in my car, not only did I feel kind of claustrophobic and limited with space in my little sedan, but I also felt like I stood out more. And I felt a little vulnerable in a Tesla. Like I just felt so out of place at these areas where there are mostly RVs and SUVs and rugged vehicles. And here I am like in this black Tesla, just feeling like I didn't want the attention on me. So I got the tent to make me look more official and to give me more room for storage during the night, for changing my clothes, to have a space protected from bugs if it ever got buggy. And I love my tent. It's kind of a pain to set up. I will link to it for you. There is a number of options. This one was $89, so a really low price point. And it was great throughout the whole trip. It's not super big in terms of storage, but when you fold it out, it's huge. It actually can sleep five people. So I was trying to think long-term as well. If other people come with me on the trips in the future, which hopefully they will, or I do separate trips with other people, like we could all stay together. I would have loved to have had this when I did my trip in 2020 with Leanne because she stayed in like this tiny little tent like next to my car and it was kind of sad. I always felt weird. Like we felt so separate and like how cool would it have been if if she got to stay in a tent that was connected to my car? Why do I sleep in my car? If you haven't heard me talk about this before, my car has camp mode and that actually inspired all of these trips I've taken. I just think it's the coolest thing. It keeps the temperature perfect in the car. It keeps your electricity on. And it's just designed to give you like a camp experience inside of a Tesla. So I got that test mattress as I talked about in the in the shades for it. And then I set the temperature, I plug in my electricity devices, I fold the seats down and lay perfectly in there. And it's super cozy. And now with the new tent, I attach the tent to it and I store some of my stuff in there overnight and change my clothes in the tent and use you can use the bathroom in the tent. Like it's just really nice as a setup. So that was Gallup, lovely place. I was uh, just so happy to be there. I remember feeling 
Like it was the first official day of my trip since I wasn't staying in an Airbnb anymore. Another thing that I have been using is a little propane stove. I got a third party company that makes this great little stove. I can heat up soups as I did that night. Uh, You can heat up anything, coffee you can make in there. It has a French press attachment. I actually use a cold brew coffee maker that I prefer over the French press experience. But anything you need to heat up. One part of my trip, I used some vegan case, refrigerated vegan queso and I heated it up in that little propane stove. That was neat. I have a solar powered lantern that I bring with me and I just got a rechargeable headlamp. So I use that at night for light in the tent and the headlamp's great for when you're walking around setting things up. I brush my teeth and all that. Usually when I check out these campgrounds or RV parks, I look for places that have running water and bathrooms so I can use those instead of the car loo. And I'll go and brush my teeth in the bathroom, use the bathroom. Most of them have showers too if you need them. And then just go and spend the night in the car, wake up the next day, brush my teeth again, wash my face, and I'm ready to hit the road. If I don't have access to a bathroom or for some reason I don't want to use the bathroom on the premises, the car loo, the suds to go, hand washing station, do the trick. I brush my teeth and you know use the water from my water bottle to rinse. And I try to practice the leave no trace. So I'll spit into like some cup or something and empty it out later on so that everything's contained in the car. But bathroom is definitely a more pleasant way to go. When I go on these trips too, I like to bring my favorite pillow and I also bring my weighted blanket, which really keeps me feeling safe and secure with like the weight on my body. It helps me sleep better. That's been a game changer too since I got that last year. And I love bringing my my memory foam blanket. I also bring my electric fan to make some white noise. Uh, It's not an actual fan. It's called an electro fan. And it makes the sound of a fan. But it's this tiny little device for white noise. really helps me sleep in case that there's any noise. A lot of things that people complain about at campgrounds or RV parks is that they're noisy. But when you have a white noise machine set up, you can't hear a thing as long as it doesn't make you uncomfortable from a safety standpoint. So the next day on May 6th, I packed everything up and hit the road. My next major stop was, I'm still going through all these photos. <laughs> oh, I passed this cool area called Shiprock, New Mexico, which is in Navajo Nation, really neat part of the country. And I listened to this history of Shiprock using this app called Here Here. I think it's fairly new. It was founded by or co-founded by Kevin Costner, the actor. And it's spelled here as in to listen and here as in here as a location. So here, here. And it will track where you are as you're driving or visiting certain parts of the country. I don't know if it's outside the U.S., but in the U.S., you can pull up a map and it has all these little stories about different landmarks. So I learned so much about the history of places like Shiprock, New Mexico. And I also listen to a lot of really good audiobooks. I use this app called Libby, which allows me to borrow audiobooks for free through my library card. That is my favorite thing to do. Funny enough, I don't listen to many podcasts. I just often prefer audiobooks. And my favorite book on this trip is called the, I think it was The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog 
really intense but eye-opening book about the psychology of childhood trauma. Oh, wow. I was glued to every word and it was a long audiobook. I think it was like 12 hours or something like that. So I remember starting that book around the Shiprock area. Then I went into Mesa Verde National Park, which is really fascinating. Speaking of history, it has all of the remains of the homes that were built into the side of cliffs and very, very impressive. You can see all of the different remaining architecture. I have a picture of another snack I enjoyed on my trip, which was outstanding puffs. They're these vegan, gluten-free protein puffs that also have all these added vitamins into them. You can get your iron, calcium, zinc, whatever else you need from them. And they're also really tasty. So those really hit the spot. I like having things like that when I'm walking around the national parks too. Uh, Usually I'm in there for at least a few hours. And that's worth noting too. When talked about my trips, a lot of people are amazed at how much I can do in two weeks. But I went to eight national parks plus the Red Rocks Park, plus a national monument, at least one national monument. I mean, all in all, I went to at least 10 parks in two weeks, plus a conference, plus I went to a concert, saw friends, did so much. And I have to say, I'm only skimming the surface. So I generally spend about two hours in each park and I'm mostly driving through them with like a little walking around, stopping at sites. One thing that's really helped me out is when I get to the park, you pull up and you have to check in to pay or show your interagency pass to the park ranger. And they'll hand you a map if you would like that. I like to collect the maps as souvenirs. And when they do that, I say, hey, I'm only here for two hours. What should I see? And they'll tell you one of the park rangers even like circled on the map all the spots I should see. And I think that was actually at Mesa Verde. That park was interesting because it took 45 minutes from the entrance to the actual destination. So it was a ton of driving and an hour and 30 minutes round trip just to get to one end to the park to the other. And then that does not include the time that it takes to stop and look around. So I always try to check out that information. I saw a huge snake there. <laughs> I think maybe the first time I've ever seen a big snake out in the wild. It was like six feet long, slithering across the road. I probably would have run it over if I had not paid attention. So I was very grateful I noticed it. (laughs) I don't know why I'm sharing that, but my mom told me she would have been terrified. But I was like deeply fascinated in taking all these photos of it as it crawled across uh, the road. Then I started driving up. I was already in Colorado at this point. That's where Mesa Verde is. I went through Telluride uh, because they have a car charger there and it was just beautiful snow covered mountains. I was just blown away by the ski towns, just in complete disbelief of where I was. That whole drive was unbelievable. I stayed the night, the next national park, which is called Black Canyon of the Gunnison, which is these big, deep canyons. Also a park I'd never heard of before. Seems like not a ton of people go there, but there was an amazing campground that included electricity. And so I got to charge my car fully there. There's different levels of electricity, by the way. So my car can charge at a 50 volt or a, but then a 50 amp, that's the term. 
they have 50 amp, 30 amp, and 120 volt, which I think are also 12 amp or 20 amp. Anyways, there's different levels of charging. And at this charging station, it was $22, which included electricity and really nice bathroom. And it was just like an awesome campground. I met nice people there tons of space that you couldn't reserve it ahead of time though. So I got there not even knowing if I was going to get a camp spot. So I had to have a backup place in mind. But luckily I pulled in and there are plenty of places I got to choose my campsite and just had a, a really lovely night staying there. And then the next morning I got up early and drove around and checked out the canyons. And it was just amazing. These These canyons are so tall. They're like I think double the size of the Eiffel Tower. And one of them was the size of the Dubai Tower, which I don't know how big that is, but I know it's big. So <laughs> it was very impressive. And there was some beautiful sunsets and sunrises. My favorite thing to do on these trips is to watch the sunrise, like get up early and see it all come out and walk around. I brought my bear spray with me because I knew there were bears in the area, but I did not encounter any. I bought bear spray last year when I was at Glacier National Park in Montana and bear spray can be good for, I think, up to three years. So it costs anywhere from like $25 to $40, depending on where you buy it and which one you get. And I just keep it in my car now. And I've also been told that you can use it on human beings. So it's another... uh, (laughs) Another security measure. After I left there, I started my drive to the Great Sand National Park. This might have been my favorite park out of everywhere I went. The sand dunes were just like hard to describe. Like pictures at most of these parks do not do them justice, but it was just stunning to look at. It was super windy. So it felt like this huge accomplishment to walk through all the sand. I chose to walk up to one of the higher points of the sand dunes, which was really strenuous. I did a barefoot and I was very concerned about my healing broken toe, but it did great. And I got a heck of a workout. And there are people there with their dogs. I don't know if my dog Evie would have enjoyed it. So I was kind of grateful she wasn't with me. She probably would have been annoyed and made me turn back early. There were a lot of dogs running around there, people flying kites, people sledding down the sand dunes. It was pretty neat. And that actually didn't take me a ton of time. I think I was only there for like an hour, but it felt like a very stretched out, long, peaceful hour. I was not rushing. It just didn't take that long for me to walk. I, despite how many times I stopped to catch my breath, because it was so intense climbing up these hills. And you also have to go through this really cold stream at the base of the sand dunes in between the parking lot and the sand. So you're walking through mud. It was just like, felt like this intense adventure and I absolutely loved it. So I got very sandy. There was sand all in my scalp, despite wearing a hat in my ears. It took me days to get the sand off my body. Got lots of cool pictures. Some of them I'll, I'll put in the in the show notes if you want to see. And this is one of those things I can't wait to show for videos. Another piece of gear that's worth mentioning, I got this in 2020, is a Life Straw. I've been using their products for a while, but they make these great stainless steel bottles. And I absolutely love that water bottle for travel because I can fill it up everywhere and know it's being filtered. The problem was with the great sand dunes, 
I took it out to get a drink of water and the, the wind is blowing all the sand and I like got all stuck in the crevices of the bottle. So that was not fun. Another thing worth mentioning in these hot conditions when you're outside is sunscreen. My favorite sunscreen right now is a toss between my shell, love that brand, and Alba Botanica. Their sensitive mineral sunscreen is what I've been using recently, and they've got a great fragrance-free, water-resistant, biodegradable formula that feels really light. So I put it on my face, works perfectly, and got the job done. Another food product, technically a drink, is Swoon. They make these zero-sugar drinks, and they have this new one called a sweet tea Oh, my mouth is watering just thinking about it. It was so good. I was really grateful to have my refrigerator so I could keep it cool. After the sand dunes, I did stopped at a couple other places on my way to Boulder where, where I did stay with my friend. Number one was Skyline Drive in, I don't know if it's pronounced Cannon City or Canon City or something else, but Skyline Drive is just this little road up at the top of this hill overlooking this city and there's no fencing on either side. So you're on this super narrow road. I've seen pictures and videos of it. Really wanted to experience it in person. That was pretty cool. It was just like one of those like check off the list type of things. Looking back at the pictures, I'm like, you can't tell how cool it is by a photo. Similarly, I went to a place called Garden of the Gods, which I feel like is very photogenic, but still in person. It's just hard to capture how beautiful and massive these natural structures are. There's these big red rocks and it's like this people created these paths in between the rocks and you walk through it and just look it up, look up at the sky. It was like perfectly blue and clouds and these beautiful red rock formations. And there were deer running around and families and it was just so peaceful. I'm really glad that I did this trip in May because it wasn't too crowded, but the weather was perfect. So didn't have any trouble parking at any of these places, but got sunny skies and perfect temperatures. And it was just lovely. Then from there, I made a very quick stop at my friend Karen's place to see her new puppy. Karen lives in Denver and she just adopted a dog. I actually met up with Karen again in Boulder, I think the following day, but she didn't bring her puppy. So I had to I had to make a stop on my way to Boulder on the night of May 7th. Then I got to my friend's house where I stayed for four nights, I think. It was a Saturday night I got there and she, we just had the best time. This is my first time seeing her house and she has this awesome house up in the hills of Boulder. And it was so deeply restful there because it was quiet. She had all the windows open. I saw a bobcat. She had like wild turkeys running around there and deer. It was like being in a fairy tale house and she has her own dog and cat. And I was just like nourished by all the animals and the nature and the fresh air. And oh, I slept amazing. And that's actually where my sister met me the next day. So on Sunday, May 8, I actually started my day off by... Wait, my sister didn't get there that day. Sunday, May... She was supposed to get there on Sunday. But her trip changed. This is part of the very minimal issues that I had on this trip was when my sister announced to me that she was changing her flight 
to arrive on Monday morning. I was just disappointed. In hindsight, it doesn't matter. But at the time, I was actually quite upset about it. I ended up going to Rocky Mountain National Park by myself. I think part of me being upset was my sister was supposed to come with me to the park. But she changed her plans. I went to the park by myself. It was great. It's interesting, though, because Rocky Mountain National Park is like one of the most popular national parks in the country. But I don't know. In hindsight, I was like, this is cool. It was snowing in parts of... Rocky Mountain, which is interesting because Boulder was like 60 or 70 degrees most of the time I was there. And then I went into the park, which is about 45 minutes an hour away from Boulder. And it was like 30 something degrees and snowing, but it was beautiful. And then, yeah, I mean, I just drove through, stopped, look at a few things. There were moose there. That was probably the highlight for me. I love seeing moose. And that was it. I really enjoyed seeing the Stanley Hotel, which is in Estes Park, I think is how you pronounce it, at the base or the entrance of Rocky Mountain. There's this little town. The Stanley Hotel is this amazing old hotel that I think served as the inspiration for the Shining movie. I don't know if it inspired the book, but certainly had some influence on the movie. And maybe they filmed part of it there. It's a little confusing. I need to look up the history to clarify. But a number of movies have been filmed there. I've seen it a bunch of times. And it was really cool to see in person. And they even had Tesla charging stations there. So I got to charge up my car and uh, walk around. They do like haunted tours there, which I did not do because of time. But that was just like cool to witness. I'm going through all my photos of the park and the hotel. That actually photographed quite well. Oh, this is interesting. I think the hotel dates back to at least the early 1900s because one of the photos says 1909. Later that day, I met up with Karen. We went to this restaurant called Thrive, which is kind of an earthy, crunchy vegan restaurant with lots of raw food. It was absolutely delicious. Then we walked around Boulder a bit. We actually went by that river multiple occasions. It was really neat to experience it by foot. So that was really special. And we went into a tea shop and just like spent hours together enjoying the city. Then I think I just went back and chilled to this cool natural market called Natural Grocers. <laughs> Close enough. I got this incredible vegan keto product called Fossil Fuel Donuts. They're kind of more like muffins, but they're in the shape of a donut with frosting on them. And they're made from sunflower seeds and coconuts and was fantastic. One of the best foods I had on the trip. I I ended up buying three of them throughout the course of my time in Boulder highly recommend looking into them and went and hung out with my friend that night. And the next morning, Monday, May 8th, I got up and we picked my sister up from the airport. And that's where my heart just shines because I love my sister so much. And we have a mutual friend, the friend in Boulder. So that was really special. We went out to breakfast in town at a place I don't remember. It was very vegan friendly. Let me see. I have the name here somewhere. I don't want to leave out any detail. Snooze is the name of that place. And they had, I think I got a sweet potato mash, something. It was tasty. My sister enjoyed the food too. And then we just hung out the rest of the day and 
enjoyed each other's company and had snacks. I think we got some food from the grocery store and grilled up some burgers, watched the sunset. It was just really nice and peaceful. The next day on Tuesday, May 10th, that centered around one of the big reasons that I went to Colorado. I actually had wanted to visit all these places I've been telling you about. That was one reason. But the second reason was that I wanted to go see one of my favorite musicians, Ray LaMontagne, play at Red Rocks Amphitheater with my sister. So the three of us went and saw him on Tuesday night. And that was absolutely wonderful. This is one of my Instagram posts was centered around that. Previous to that, though, we did drive a little bit through different parts of Colorado outside of Boulder. We went to this place called uh, Netherland. That was kind of cool. It was like this small little town, (laughs) mountain town, inspired, I think, by the Netherlands. I'm not quite sure if it had much influence, but it was just like nice place, very vegan friendly. There was a cool natural market there that I got some food and every restaurant in the area seemed to have some vegan options. Colorado in general is very friendly to the plant-based way of eating. So that was a nice beginning to the wonderful day that ended with the concert. I could not recommend Red Rocks enough. I've been there three times now and every time it's just as exciting and wonderful and special and I will go back anytime. Wednesday, May 11th, we're coming up towards the end of my trip. I think we just hung out, got some coffee. Oh, we went to brunch at another place. Let's see if I can find the name here. I remember it being quite nice. They had the just egg there and got so many photos. Let's see. What's the name of this place? It was pretty fancy. It was one of the fancier places that I went to on the trip. Boulder has really good prices compared to Los Angeles. Oh, it's called Lucky's. And I think it's part of a grocery store. And so it just felt a little more like upscale for a Boulder cafe and in terms of their pricing. But they had an awesome vegan omelet, which you could get with either tofu or the just egg. That's what I opted for. And it was really, really delicious. Then I dropped my sister off. They have a bus shuttle that goes to the airport. And that was a little bit more convenient for me. So she took that. I felt a little bad that I didn't get to drop her off, but she didn't mind. And that gave me extra time to make my way to my campground for the evening. So I drove throughout a good chunk of Colorado. I wanted to get as close to Utah as possible. And I stopped at the Colorado National Monument to camp there. I'd never even heard of this place, but it was covered by the interagency pass. And the campground was probably around $20. That campground did not have electricity. So maybe it was a little bit less. I don't remember, but I got to reserve it in advance. And it was insanely windy. So windy, I was a little bit nervous that something was going to go wrong. That was probably like... Aside from the mini debacle with my sister's change of flight, only other time that I was like, "Uh uh-oh. But it was kind of cool because I had never experienced camping and high winds before. So I didn't set up my tent. I just stayed in my car and crossed my fingers that like nothing would fall on my car or like I was a little nervous my car was going to blow over or something, but everything went fine. There were tons of campers at this campground even some that were intense. So kind of gave me some peace of mind that everything would be okay. And I actually slept pretty well. 
and got up the next day and continued on my trip to Utah. So on Thursday, I got to go to Canyonlands, which is one of the national parks I have not been to in Utah. Canyonlands is across the street, basically, in the same town as Arches National Park, one of my favorite parks in Moab, Utah. On the way there, you can drive through this just remarkable part of Utah. I try to take this road every chance I get. I think it's called like Highway 128 or something. And it's just like jaw-droppingly gorgeous. Leads you to arches and you can go across the street or up the street a little bit and go into Canyonlands. And Canyonlands is pretty cool. I would say didn't like fully capture my heart. There were moments that were really stunning. You kind of just drive around, get out of your car, hike a little bit, get to an area that overlooks canyons, get back in your car and keep driving. (laughs) At least that's how I did it. There's also two parts of Canyonlands. So I only went to half of it. I think Canyonlands might be one of the biggest national parks space-wise. I was listening to that Hear Hear audio and it was just like crazy hearing the history of how they changed the park over time and expanded it. And there's all these like cool historical developments over time. I highly recommend Hear Hear. You could even listen to it from home, by the way. You don't have to be traveling to hear all those stories. And then after Canyonlands, I kind of like rushed my way to a number of spots. So next I went through Gooseneck State Park, technically. I had to pay $5 to go in there just to look out over the parking lot to see this natural water formation. So the water through the canyons creates something that looks like a gooseneck, this kind of U-shaped formation. I'd always wanted to see Horseshoe Bend, which is further down in technically Arizona, right on the border of Utah and Arizona. But a lot of people told me that Gooseneck State Park was more impressive. So I went there and it was cool. I got a little choked up because it had been on my list for like 10 years to see something like that. But in hindsight, not as cool as... (laughs) (laughs) because I ended up going to Horseshoe Bend, which was magnificent. You pay $10 to go to Horseshoe Bend, but it was well worth it. I got there at sunset and it was just, it blew me away. It was very crowded. So the benefit of Gooseneck State Park is that there's not a ton of people there. There was like maybe three people plus like people camping. You can actually camp along the edge, which I would love to do one day. But Horseshoe Bend has like probably a hundred plus people around. So it doesn't feel private or quiet at all, but it was just so much cooler looking. And I was, that was one of the highlights of this whole trip, just magnificent. In between Gooseneck and Horseshoe Bend, I also drove through Monument Valley, which is one of my favorite places to go. This is my third time. First time I went was in 2012 with my sister, Second time was in 2020 with my friend Leanne, and it was actually almost as fun going by myself. And this is the first time I drove from north to south. The previous times I drove from south to north, and it looks completely different depending on the side that you're driving it into. And Monument Valley, I'll I'll try to put some pictures, but you can look it up. Super famous part of the country where a lot of old westerns were filmed. And it's just known as like a big landmark for American culture. So 
I always get excited to go past there again. Now, Thursday night started kind of a ripple effect of late nights for me. Most of times on this trip, I got to destinations by sunset, before sunset, and was able to just like slow down and get tons of sleep. Well, because I made so many stops on Thursday, I didn't get to the campground that I chose in Kanab, or it's either Kanab or Kanab. A local corrected me, and now I forget the correct pronunciation, but that's in Utah, in between where Horseshoe Bend is. Well, maybe not quite between, but my next stop on Friday was Bryce National Park. It's close to the wave uh, and all these really cool parts of Utah that I'd been to before. And they have a ton of, of RV parks and hotels. I stayed at Crazy Horse RV Park, which is the nicest, one of the nicest I've ever been to, definitely from this trip. That USA RV Park was cool, but the Crazy Horse one was like kind of fancy. I had like really nice bathrooms. I got to charge my car there again. And I didn't arrive until like 10 or 10.30 at night. So I felt like I had to like tiptoe in, drive really slowly and not shine any lights. And I basically parked, plugged my car in, got my stuff ready and went right to sleep so that I can be up at 6 a.m. the next day and head to Bryce National Park. I went there for the first time and that was really cool. It's funny, it got a little overshadowed by the next stop I made, but it worked out to be a really pleasant experience because I got to charge my car, jump on a shuttle bus, go explore Bryce Canyon. I went and hiked. I went on a three-mile hike there. It was a beautiful day. It wasn't super crowded. It was just like everything felt the perfect pace. And it just gave me this like warm, friendly feeling the whole time I was there. It felt very communal. It kind of reminded me of a combination of Glacier National Park in Montana and Yellowstone in Wyoming, where I went last year, and also the Grand Tetons. Like those three parks have gave me like this really good feeling last year. And that's how I felt in Bryce. And it's so interesting to think of like how different destinations give you different feelings. The shuttle bus just makes it so easy. You just get on there. And I mean, a lot of parks have this, but in Bryce, you could see almost the entire park by the shuttle bus and a little hiking. It was just great. I felt like on cloud nine. <laughs> so I did that Friday morning. And then on my way back to Los Angeles, I ended up driving through part of Zion National Park where I've been before. But to cut across from Bryce over to the area of Utah I, I needed to get into to head back to Los Angeles, it actually made sense mileage-wise to go through Zion. And I didn't even realize that the road I was on was part of the park until I got there. So I'm like driving down the road and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, there's the booth where I have to show my pass. And it ended up being amazing unintentionally going back into that park because it was the entrance of the park I'd never been to. So I got to see part of the park that I hadn't previously experienced. So that became the eighth national park I visited. And before I wrap things up, in between Bryce and Zion, I felt a determination to buy a rock or a crystal because when I went to Zion in 2016, I found one of my favorite rocks, which is rose quartz. So technically a stone. I bought that in Zion National Park. And it's just like has a special meaning. And I just love looking at the stone. So 
I wanted to find something else like that. And I ended up coming across this amazing place called Joe's Rock Shop, which again, in between Bryce and Zion. And I could probably do a whole mini episode on this place, but it was amazing. They had all these great stones and crystals. The people that ran this place were so kind. And if you're watching the YouTube video, here is the stone I got. It's a blue calcite. And they had like probably 30 different types of rocks and stones, all different sizes and conditions. And I couldn't stop looking at this one. And it actually has the shape of a mountain. So it symbolized this trip where I visited so many beautiful mountains and hillsides and formations. And I just absolutely love this. So this is becoming one of my new favorite stones. And it was the perfect place to buy from because they were informative. It didn't feel touristy. They had great prices. Like I couldn't recommend this place enough. And I actually met some people from Minnesota there that said it was like one of the best rock shops that they've come across, you know, in the area. And I was like, oh, okay, I picked the right place to stop at. So yeah, I I think I'm going to, I want to do some more story about that place because it was so cool. So yeah, that I headed through Zion and gosh, after that, I think I just stopped to charge my car and I, oh, I guess like the final kind of semi-intentional thing that I did was one of the stops I needed to make to charge my car was either in Vegas or outside of Vegas at this place called Prim. And I have this fondness for Prim. I don't know if you've, you've ever been there. But it's a stop on the California and Nevada border when you're traveling, I guess, either from Vegas or from LA. It's on the the road. I think it's Route 15. And it's they have like multiple hotels there. It's it's like seemingly in the middle of nowhere. And actually, I learned from the Here Here app that it has this whole history of, of being a, this kind of touristy place to gamble or to get food. So I stopped there to charge my car and I went into the Prim Casino and I played a slot machine, which is one of my favorite things to do. Put $10 in, played a few rounds, walked around, got some food. I went to Carl's Jr., which is my favorite fast food place to go because they have the Beyond Burger and they do it with lettuce wrap and it is delicious and inexpensive. And that was it. I drove back to LA. One final, final stop though, worth mentioning is called Eddie's World. It is, I think, one of the largest rest stops in the country. They also happen to have a Tesla charger there. And they have the coolest market inside where they have almost anything you can imagine snack-wise, mostly candy. They have this enormous candy selection of like bulk, but packaged candies. So they're all in like plastic bags, like I mean, truly anything you can imagine and beyond candy-wise. They have all these other packaged snacks, this huge refrigerated section. They also have fresh food. They have the Impossible Burger there. That was the second time I think I'd been there. And it's just really nice. They have great bathrooms. It's just kind of cool. And I was there at like 10 p.m. And man, the final two hours driving back to Los Angeles of that trip were really tough. I honestly would have pulled over on the side of the road and taken a nap if I had had the option. I kept looking around. I was getting so tired. And 
that also made me nervous. I don't like to drive when I'm tired. I didn't intend to, but it was like, I didn't want to, I was two hours away from home. I didn't, I didn't want to spend the night somewhere else, but I safely made it home and crawled into bed and rested up. And here I am today, almost fully rested from this trip. And I feel like I kind of sped through. (laughs) I started off kind of slow, but sped through the rest of the trip just to get it all in in one episode. So hopefully you enjoyed all of the details. I imagine there's at least a few little things that I left out that I may share with you sprinkled into future episodes. Stay tuned if you want to see the videos I hope to make for TikTok and Instagram at some point. If you want to see the Instagram posts I have made, I'll link to that, my at Whit Lauritsen account. And check out the show notes for this episode if you want to see some more photos to get visuals of the experience. Thank you so much for watching and, and hearing my journey. I'd love to hear, do you have some cool road trip stories to share? Do you have any fun travel stories? Do you want to tell me about parks you've been to or do you want to go to? Do you have questions I didn't address? Let me know. Reach out to me on Instagram, via email, through the comments section of the show notes, whatever works for you. I would be happy to answer you directly or make an episode on it as always. I'll be back in just a few days with another episode with a special guest. And until then, I'm wishing you all the very best. And reminder... If you want to get in touch, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. That's where the show notes are and my contact information. Everything is linked in one place to make it easy for you. And I hope to connect with you at some point. Until then, wishing you all the very best. Bye. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.